Welcome everyone to Studio Soundtracks, the monthly program that takes listeners behind the scenes of making music for film and television. I'm your host, Chandler Poling, and today we're celebrating Marvel Studios and the amazing music behind their incredible Disney Plus shows. With me today are composers Natalie Holt and Hashem Nazi. Welcome, welcome. Hello. Hello. Hi, guys. It should be no surprise that I'm a huge fan of your shows. I've been collecting comics for years. I've been watching every bit of Marvel content. I love your work. I'm so excited. Natalie with uh, Loki and Haitian with Moon Knight. Your work on these properties has reached like icon status and even earned you each Emmy nominations and Natalie with two noms. So congrats. Congrats on that, guys. Thank you. Um, and yeah, Hashem, I loved your score. I thought it was fantastic. I, I watched it and I was like, wow, this is great music. <laughs> so. Oh, same here. <laughs> same here. Really loved, loved every bit of the score you did for uh, Loki. It was, uh, I think it's so fresh. So it's so amazing, really. So, oh, thank you. Congrats to you. <laughs> How does it feel, guys, to be nominated by your peers with these Emmy nominations? What did, what did it feel like when you heard the news? Yeah, um, I mean, it was a, I don't know, it, 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 the whole thing felt like a, like I said, felt, it feels like a, it's so um, a kind of surreal, not real, not, not entirely, uh, really. it feels like a dream and, and everything was, all of it was so kind of new to me, the, the whole thing, I mean, the whole realm of the, the Marvel thing and the, and, and the Moon Knight and, and, and scoring to um music to a superhero show and never done that before so it, it all is kind of new so it it feels to me like i'm stepping into a new planet with all new everything new rivers new oceans new trees new birds new everything and new music so yeah new people amazing people so yeah it feels great it feels great i'm so happy um i was just delighted as well like because I thought oh there's people people won't remember Loki because it was on so long ago it was on like 
you know, at the beginning of the Emmy period, and there's been so many amazing shows on since. So I was just thinking, oh, I don't, I don't think I'm in with a chance because people won't remember it. And so that was just a real honor that they did. And yeah, just being nominated is awesome. And um, and the you know the other shows in in my category and all the in all the categories is are really strong. So yeah, it's stiff competition, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you guys tell me about receiving the call to work on your shows? What what did that feel like to know that you're going to be entering in the legacy of Marvel Studios, essentially? And we'll start with you, Natalie. Um, well, it was it was a strange process because Marvel is sort of you know very secretive about what the property was so I didn't know it was just like a space superhero project needing you know um a score <laughs> I didn't know it was Loki until kind of I'd already submitted a um like a demo reel and yeah then when I found out I was like oh I, I was looking at what they had in development and wondering and I was like oh my god that you know I'm sure it wouldn't be that one because that would just be too awesome to work on Loki because he's such an awesome character and then yeah, when I found out that that's what the show was, I was just so excited. And um, yeah, I really prepped. And I don't know, Hisham, if you if you had to pitch, did you have to do a pitch for your show? No, no. No. Maybe okay. I have, no, it's just, no, it was just that. It, it be, I, I got contacted by Marvel and then, um, um, they wanted to listen to my demo reel and then a few days later they called up for a meeting and I met uh, with Dave Jordan and uh, Trigay Tobin and, and they, 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 we talked it briefly and they, they explained the, what the show is about and this was that. And so I started, a few weeks later I started uh, working. Uh, That's got to feel that. good. Yeah. To get, just to oh, yeah. just get that call just be like you are the person that we need for this <laughs> <laughs> yeah I had to pitch for mine I didn't hear it, it was like a really drawn out process and I think there were other composers like scoring the scene as well and you know I, I kind of spent a week just like how can I make this as good as possible so it felt a bit like sort of x-factor-ish I think to get, <laughs> to get did you know get this local. was going on did you know that there were also other composers yeah I knew yeah I knew that they had um you know I think five or six composers pitching oh. um with with scoring to the scene so um but it did feel good like you know it, it was it worked out and I got the job but um and actually weirdly pit, that pitch um contained the Loki theme that I ended up using in the show so that was kind of helpful to have that little creative burst before jumping in on the project that's not a reckoning. <laughs> well Haitian what was it like to get your call like when 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 you got the call to work on Moon Knight what was going on in your head like what were you thinking oh I think um you know I was thinking that maybe it's, it felt that okay I, the, my initial reaction was this was not going to happen this is just an email that okay Marvel's they want to listen to my demo reel and they, they want to listen to my work and this is so far-fetched, you know, it's, <laughs> it's this is not going to happen. But I just sent, I had sent them the, 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 uh, the few tracks, um, uh, either ways, you know, and we just, uh, just for, for, forget, for sending the, the music and then, and then they were specific, specific about the, what to listen to. 
and uh, I picked like uh, first like 10 tracks and then I added on another 10 and then I ended up sending like 30 tracks or something oh <laughs> a huge pile of, of, of music and then uh, yeah I was it was I did not uh, put much hope on it and uh, and then it came so I was hit by the fact that oh it's this is really happening so it, it felt amazing so I don't know why I had the uh, uh, the impression that um, because it seemed distant because I was distant I was <laughs> I was thousand miles away I don't know because I didn't know what why uh, what show they wanted me for and and what was this what 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 was the thing so when I learned that it's moon night and and when they told me about the nature of the story and the nature of the character and so I realized yeah so uh, well. That's what happened, and and I felt it. I felt everything big, and even at the Emmys, I, was, I think it's it's something. It it goes with my my thought process. I do not put much hope into things, so that they don't. If they don't come, I don't get disappointed. You know, it's a this is a very. It works. <laughs> I was talking to someone about this the other day. Um, like because in America, you're meant to have a a can do attitude, and I feel like. Uh, you know in London or maybe some European have a can't do attitude because this idea we're like well we'll just you know we won't get too kind of um hopeful about this and won't get my hopes up and I, I kind of feel like it's a good way to be because everything's always a nice surprise when it works out <laughs> I, I get your point but it's not I get you I totally get your point but it's not about can or cannot do um uh I of course, we all have the feeling that we all can do everything, but it's not about that. It's can it happen? Will it happen or not? So it's kind of, uh, I don't know. It's uh, because when you, it's a 50-50 thing. Um, it's a yes or no. It's, it's, there is no uh, uh, middle stage. So it's a yes, you're on or no, you're not. So, but uh, yes, I will. Can I do it or can I do it? Of course, I had this feeling that and I give him the chance. Oh, of course, we'll do it. And then that's, that's yeah. I'm sure a lot of composers can kind of relate to that too. The, the sensation of, um, you know, that you're not the right fit or whatever, like the, the, the kind of sense of like, oh, this could never happen for me. And then when it does, it does. And it's beautiful. And obviously these Disney plus shows have really allowed composers like yourself to break into this Marvel universe and, and provide really dynamic music. And so I was curious, you know, how was it creatively to score your projects? Cause we heard rumor that there's like a Marvel template, but obviously it sounded like you guys were able to be creative and have a lot of freedom. So what was that kind of guidance from the studio? And did you feel like you had creative freedom to score how you were inspired? We'll start with uh, Hashem. Oh yeah, absolutely. For me, absolutely. I remember the first meeting when I was told we like to be surprised. That was Dave. That was Dave Jordan to me. Don't be fearful. We like to be surprised. We heard your music. We know what to do, and that's the reason why uh, you're on board. So uh, do your thing. Just don't be fearful. Don't 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 think that there's a certain type of music that we like. So you do this certain type of music for us to be pleased. No, don't do that. So, so yes, absolutely. I was, I was at 
complete liberty. Uh, uh, this does not, I mean, but in fact, there's, there's a nature of the show. It's the it's dynamism of the picture and there's the, the nature of the story line that, uh, that's, that sometimes uh, asks or demands a, a certain type of musicality. But this was not pushed or forced uh, to me or on me in any way, really. Mm. So nice. And what about you, Natalie? Um, yeah, I mean, the there was um, a kind of handover moment at the beginning of episode one with the Alan Silvestri um, score because there's a moment where they recap what happened in um, Endgame, but then they go off into you know Loki steals the Tesseract and then it then we're into our show. But I had to use an Alan Silvestri cue to start off, but then I segued it into my cue. Um, so that was the only thing, it was just kind of the only thing I was kind of asked to use some existing content. And then other than that, um, I had to do a suite to present to the um, producers before I embarked on, on the getting into scoring episode by episode, um, which is apparently like a Marvel thing. Because um, yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't actually done that before. I hadn't worked in that way, um, and I was like, "What do you mean a suite?" And then they they sent me some examples, and I was like listening to Ludwig's Black Panther, which just sounded incredible. And basically, it just lays out. It's like what your color palette is going to be, and what the different character themes are going to be, um, and it was so useful. It it was just like a roadmap to kind of score the show, and like lots of it ended up staying and you know being part of part of the of the score so it was yeah a really good work working process and and also the review process they have they do every Wednesday we'd catch up with the whole music editing team and everyone like Dave Jordan they would all be on this call and you'd present an episode or whatever you would whatever you'd worked on since last week and it was just like sometimes I find um things can get a bit nebulous when you're just you know you might have a meeting every three or four weeks but I thought that was really useful as well just having like a weekly catch-up session so they have they have a few little things in in their way of doing things which are which are quite helpful well next um I want to play a track from Moon Knight and this is the main theme of Moon Knight it's a track titled Moon, Moon Knight from the um soundtrack by Hashem. Hashem, is this kind of what your, uh, you know, kind of not demo, but what, 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 or the suite, when the suite that Natalie just talked about, is this part of the suite that you presented as well? Uh, it, the main theme, yes, but this is, but this track was not part of the suite. I did the suite as well at, at the beginning before writing the, the picture, uh, which, uh, which was a, like a 10 minutes track or something. But it, 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 the, uh, the only thing that is in common between the track, this track we're talking about and this week is the main theme, uh, which I had the chance to write before writing the music, which was, which was a very good practice. Mm. Uh, it's like uh, you're like stretching before getting to the pitch and starting to play. So <laughs> amazing. Yeah, no, this one, this track was the main on ends uh, of the, uh, um, uh, the first episodes. Great. Okay. Well, at the very top of the show, we heard Natalie's Emmy-nominated main title theme to Loki, and now here is the main character theme of Moon Knight.
Now, the word gets overused a lot, but I thought that that was epic. I love that theme. It's really cool. And you can feel Mm -hmm. the kind of Egyptian godly presence in the piece. And I just want to know, how did you craft this? Like, what was your inspiration to kind of make this piece come together? It's, you know, what I was thinking a lot is the moment when you, when, when Mark Spector summons the suit and gets this power, this sheer power from a god. Like, imagine what kind of power you would have through your body if it's given to you from through a god. I had, I was thinking of that a lot because, I mean, there is no way of practicing this. <laughs> no one, there is no one you can ask how that does that. Does that happen? But I was thinking and imagining uh, this moment. So yeah, the moment of Mark Spector transforming, transforming into Moon Knight. Uh, this these few seconds. That's 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 the one that I had in mind. Taking into account all his history as a person, uh, all his what the the things that he has in his heart and mind, and the burden that he carries upon his shoulder and 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 his childhood background, his childhood trauma, the the, the agony uh, of his lost love uh, with 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 his wife and 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 yeah, and the secrets that he he's hide and all of that. So um, and the nature of the relationship of him and and Konshu, the the deal that they strike and then and. And 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 they were they were at the, they were, they, this was at episode five uh, when Council uh, Talon then rise rise and live again. This was the nature of the live again as man my moon night and, and this is the moment that I always kept in mind while writing this theme and 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 um, also choosing the uh, the musical palette. I mean. Does that have to be big, uh, um, simplistic, uh, orchestral? And and okay, if it's orchestral, how does it have to be poised towards the darker uh, tone of the orchestra, the brighter, the f- you know, all, all these kind of things. So, uh, yeah, beautiful. That, that was about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite impressive to see when he summons the suit and the idea of being empowered with godly powers. And then what's kind of an interesting parallel is that you know Loki it deals with gods. So like in the main title theme that we heard earlier and the score throughout Loki, uh, Natalie, you really captured this kind of Wagner esque nature of Loki and the kind of Nordic godly influence of the Asgardians and all of that. So were you pulling influence from the Ring Cycle? Um, well, the, the, basically like the, um, the, the Loki green theme, which has a kind of riff from Ride of the Valkyries. I stole a tiny bit of Wagner in there because <laughs> I, I wanted to kind of, I feel like, um, Tom Hiddleston's performance, there's something really Shakespearean about it and kind of grand and theatrical. Um, and I just wanted to infuse him with this sort of classical weight. And um, yeah, the, the, the kind of big forces of the orchestra and the kind of, da, 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 you know, the kind of <laughs> sweeping strings over the top of his theme, just, I don't know, just seemed to kind of go. But it, it, it's all kind of a, yeah, it, it was all just a kind of 
experiment, I suppose, as it as it always is, finding the right sound and and building the right kind of piece for the for the character. It always feels just like you're kind of throwing ideas together. And and I had so many different um, influences in Loki because it's kind of covering, yeah, these gods and it's expansive. It's it's about time. It's about different planets and and you're just kind of dotting around here there and everywhere so it was quite fun to play around with these huge kind of classical um orchestral forces and then also the theremin and these analog sort of um like Delia Derbyshire kind of uh grainy synths that I ended up using as well and I just I feel like I kind of got to really play in the sandpit with with the Loki score and just throw loads of things in there and and yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, and you can tell you're having fun because uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about in the main title theme that we heard earlier, there's there is this kind of um, sound design quality where it sounds like a television or there's like this kind of swooping noises. Are you also playing around in that box as well to kind of create this, you know, sense of television amongst <laughs> amongst your your uh, your your themes? Um, well, yeah, that was basically, um, I don't know if you remember, like, in the, the TVA, there's, it, it's got kind of a design um, aesthetic that's quite sort of, yeah, analogue, reel-to-reel taped, like Renslayer when she's listening to um, music. It's all, it's all kind of coming off quite sort of uh, retro-looking um, instruments. And so I wanted to give that sort of grainy, faded aesthetic to... The mix so I was kind of running things through a tape machine and like I was running clocks through tape machines and like slowing them down and speeding them up and and so that yeah when you kind of record um a piece on a tape machine it kind of gives it a different feel a different texture um so that was something which I just tried out and and it stuck and actually with the the main title theme was uh, totally uh, done, you know, as a demo. And then we tried to recreate it, like I tried to re-record it with the orchestra. And I think because it had been in there as the title theme for so long, um, the kind of posh recorded version, which was, you know, a proper mix and everything, everyone was like, no, we prefer your your kind of wackier version that we've been hearing for ages. So. So we kind of scrapped the um, recorder version, went back to the demo. So that is actually, that's the demo. <laughs> well, I really want to hear this orchestral version now. So, you know, release the tapes, as they say. I want to, I want to hear this if it could ever resurface, because that sounds really cool to hear the juxtaposition of what we know in the show versus this kind of orchestral version. Well, you brought another track uh, from Loki. This is called TVA First View. And here it is.
Now, Natalie, what does this track mean to you? It seems a bit different than what we're used to hearing in the kind of wacky theremin style of, of the theme and whatnot. This seems to be uh, almost a bit more emotional. Or wh- why did this track kind of stand out to you? Um, so basically, it's this moment in episode one where Loki looks out at the TVA and, and he sees how big it is. Like he looks out of the window with Mobius and takes it all in. And he just. I mean, episode one is basically all about breaking Loki down, like removing his kind of sense of arrogance and making him realize, you know, like the the Tesseract is just a paperweight in, in, in the office here. And it's like, there's a, there's a force that's so much bigger than he realized. Um, and so I remember talking to the, to the director, Kate Heron about this, and she just said, I just want him to sort of feel like he's, he kind of steps out of himself for a moment and is awed by like God, I suppose. Um, and it is an emotional moment for him, I think, where he's he sort of has the rug pulled from under his feet. And he and it's also quite beautiful, like this, he's looking out and there's there's this skate um cityscape. Um and yeah, I I there's a, a theremin in there, as there is in a lot of <laughs> Loki played by Charlie Draper. Um, and then there's also Caroline Dale playing a, a cello solo. So it's sort of like a duet between a theremin and a, and a cello. Beautiful. Well, yeah, that is a very powerful moment. And I'm really glad that you brought that to the show. Now, back to Moon Knight. Uh, the series was celebrated for depicting Egypt and Cairo as like a modern metropolis that it actually is. And there were many Egyptian creatives, uh, including Hashem, that were brought onto the project to make it more authentic. So Hashem, I'm just curious, how did how was it bringing that kind of Egyptian quality to your music in Moon Knight? Did you feel obligated to be extra Egyptian or are you just trying or they just or you know it's like it's such a weird question to ask but like or yeah. were you just like I'm just going to do what I feel is best and not worry about what is expected of that I mean yeah yes you you you, you know, I mean ultimately yes I was asked uh, um so many times by especially by Muhammad Diab, the, the the director to to make the music um Egyptian make it me I want to feel it Egyptian I want to feel the Egyptian feel throughout the, the entire thing. And, and my idea was, okay, this show is, it, it hasn't, it, it takes places, the story takes places in some, in some of bits of the stories takes place in Egypt. And uh, there is an Egyptian major character in the, the show, which is Kanshu, but the show is not about Egypt. The story is not about Egypt. So it, the, 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 the score doesn't have, doesn't have to be Egyptian. I mean, but of course, some bits, parts of it had to sound Egyptian and, and authentic Egyptian, authentically Egyptian. And speaking of being authentically Egyptian, to me, I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was the last worrying uh, part of the thing because, because of we discussed it a lot, a lot, a lot. And I kept telling myself, okay, now I need to be Egyptian. How would I be? I mean, I. Oh, it's like you're asking me to stand there and look Egyptian and sound Egyptian while talking and feel Egyptian. That's what I am. So, so it did not worry me much, really. And I thought it would. It will. It will. I will not have to push it. I'll just have to let it out uh, uh, naturally. 
and uh, and and when it came in, it came out and at the right spots or at the needed spots, it was. Um, I think it was the, just the uh, needed dosage of Egyptianity, Egyptianity in the music, and and um, it was not. It was. It was not. It was not a big argument inside my head. What was really going on inside my head is that it's at sometimes how to uh, not. Um, it's the other part is how to bring the score to the universal uh, uh, aspect of it because there is a universal kind of music, the music that goes everywhere. It's it has a and and it has a. a um, it has a form. It has a musical form. It, 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 it. This is this. This is what I had in mind. It's that this show is for everyone. I mean, I mean, everyone in, on on the planet would be watching Moon Knight. So everyone has to own this show uh, by watching it. So I didn't want to exclude uh, any culture just the sake of being uh, injecting the Egyptian feeling into the score, and. At some point in time, I was so um, liberated from these concerns so that I played a lot with the uh, orchestral um, movement in the music and the Egyptian uh, 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 synth and Egyptian uh, rhythms and Egyptian uh, instruments and in, in, in colliding all together, uh, going hand in hand or melting all together at some point, some other points. And yeah, it was it was fun playing around with those two cards in hands while scoring. Well, there is another piece of your score that I wanted to play. This is a piece that you chose called Constellation. It is, a, you know, an epic moment where the sky is spinning and and Khonshu and Moon Knight are cr- trying to create this uh, specific constellation from a certain period of time. And it's the music really jumps out in this moment. So let's hear the track Constellation.
Hashem, do you know what lyrics are going on in that piece? Because at the very end, there's kind of like a soloist that really emerges. Yeah. What 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 are they saying, and what does it mean to the viewers? It's it's an Egyptian. Uh, it's, it's it's sung in the Egyptian, the ancient Egyptian language, which is not spoken anyway. And and the funniest thing about it is that, is that we can some experts can read it, but no one is entirely sure of the pronunciation. So. Uh, we just need to use our imagination, and and they, it says uh, That's the beginning of it. This it's a kind of praise to the to the uh, pharaoh or to the king of Egypt on his enthronement when he gets up to the throne. He 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 gets these words engraved on on the back of the chair or something. It says that he's protected and, and, and the sky is protecting his steps and he's blessed. So, yeah, and, and it's, it's, I use this in the bit where Kanshu was disappearing because this is where he was um, sacrificing himself and putting so much trust into Mark to save him when the times come. So this was a big, big, big um, risk. <laughs> For uh, for a god to take. Oh so, yeah, well it, pay, it paid off. Re- resurrected again by a human. To, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it was you know it was fantastic. I thought I thought it really paid off, and it's a really dynamic moment, of course, in the show when all that's going on. Um, now to change gears completely, because Natalie, not only did you score this Marvel masterpiece with Loki, but you also scored the recent Obi-Wan Kenobi limited series. And that's got to feel huge. Like it's got to feel like not only am I part of the Marvel family, but now I'm part of the Star Wars family. And I just want to know how daunting did that feel? Were you just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) these two projects, like within a year's span coming out, it must've just felt huge to you. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny. I, I was talking to um, Michael Giacchino at Comic-Con um, and, you know, the, these composers, there's some composers out there who are like, oh, yeah, I've done six films already this year. And I just think, like, that, that you know, they're, they're on that level where they're just doing these big projects all the time. But for me, it, it was it was just, like, so um, overwhelming. Um, and daunting to be kind of walking in John Williams's you know heavy footsteps of you know there's such a kind of sound that you associate with musical sound that you associate with Star Wars and um so yeah there were two so so different projects like Loki didn't didn't have a theme and you know had a lot of freedom on that project but um Obi-Wan Kenobi John Williams gave us his theme um for Obi and you know we were allowed to use some pieces of John Williams um in in episode six um you know we pay off with the Imperial March and Leia's theme uh so yeah it was it was just kind of making sure I was being respectful doing something a bit different and you know just a lot of plate spinning in, in that in that one but uh yeah, it was brilliant to be part of it. And um, yeah, I've always been a big Star Wars fan. So it was, it was amazing to work on that. Yeah, I can imagine because, you know, you you mentioned John Williams, you know, you basically are sharing screen credit with probably the most recognized film composer of all time. So it's got to just be <laughs> like, 
Wow. <laughs> I mean, so you mentioned, you know, Leah's theme, but you also created a theme for young Leah or Leah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, it, it, she was such a delight to watch in the show. And I'm, and I really hope that, uh, you know, that these themes kind of continue on with these characters, if they continue to make these, these shows, because uh, it was, it was just really fun to, to utilize this, but the conflict between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader was on a next level borderlines like horror sometimes <laughs> like you mcgregor <laughs> even said in an interview that he was legitimately scared the first day of shooting with darth vader and so um i want to ask you what is, what do you think is about darth vader that makes him one of the most iconic villains of all time and how was it to capture the fear and tension between the two characters in the series well yeah again another incredibly daunting musical landmark I mean when you you just kind of hear that breathing and you see that mask and you hear his theme so um you know and it's been in existence for the last 40 years so it was pretty daunting to kind of um Deborah Chow the director said like I don't want to have the Imperial March until episode six because he's not you know, he's not a Vader, he's not the Vader we know in A New Hope yet. And he's not reached that place. He's developing and he's darker than that. Because the Imperial March is actually quite, it's quite restrained. And it's it's kind of quite mili militaristic, but it's not unhinged. Whereas she wanted him to feel like pure evil. She's like, we've never seen, he's in his prime, he's young Vader here. He's, he's kind of a young man. Um, he's not like the old man that we see in A New Hope. So he's got all this kind of power and strength and he's got this, he's just killing people. He's just full of rage. So she wanted to do something, I suppose, a bit more textural and visceral to go with, with that. Um, and leading to him in episode six, where he, you know, with, with that cracked mask, where he says to Obi, you know, you didn't kill Anakin, I did. And then we then we hear it, and it's like the payoff of, of that moment. And we know that Anakin is truly gone. Um, but I did use the underpinning of, of the Imperial March rhythm, even though there was like a hunting horn and some kind of um, atonal low-end strings going on um, in, in this theme. There is there is a rhythmic drive which connects to the Imperial March. Now I'm going to play a track from Obi-Wan Kenobi called Sensing Vader. What is it about this track that made you decide to bring it to the show? Because I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I, it's much along what we were just talking about, but what is it about this particular track that you really love? It was just the first scene that we see, uh, you know, uh, Obi coming into contact with Vader. Like he, he kind of senses him and then, we see him for the first time marching down the street and like death choking people. And it, it just felt like a really, I, I really enjoyed it. Like it was one of the first um, things I scored. Like I, I, I tried, it was a really compressed schedule for me actually. Um, I only had three months to do the, the whole show. Um, but I tried to do character themes and I tried to kind of, I did Reva in episode six and um, Princess Leia. I tried to kind of put those, temples in like um uh so this was one of the first things i i started scoring 
Wonderful. Well, let's listen to it. Here is the track Sensing Vader. reached the end of the show and I'm going to ask you the question that I ask all my guests which is what was the first album you purchased and what was the last thing you listened to that's a tough one <laughs> you go first Nathan um <clears throat> what were we listening to I think the last thing I was listening to last night was <laughs> we're having having dinner and putting put on some uh beetles <laughs> so right. um i don't know if that, that's uh, the last thing i listened to on on spotify um i i really love the um get back uh the documentary that they released on disney uh where, where it just felt like you were there in the recording studio with them uh yeah and and it just kind of open my mind I mean I always I've always loved the Beatles anyway but just seeing their work process and and you know sort of almost living with them it was a very kind of incredible it was an incredible insight and then 
culminating with that concert on the rooftop in Soho. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that documentary. Um, and then the first album I bought was, mm, gosh, I'm not sure. It can be an embarrassing answer. There's lots of them on the show. <laughs> I think honestly, I mean, um, I remember going, we had this record store in the UK called HMV, where you'd go and buy like tapes from the charts and stuff. But I think it was Nirvana. Um, never mind. That was the first album I bought. It's a great album. My paper round. I used to have a paper round. (laughs) I saved up to buy it. Yeah, it was a great album. Listen to that. I sort of wore the tape out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My teenage angst. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Hajim? I I I think the last thing I was listening to was Rock Muddy North, just by coincidence. So you, I was just playing, just letting the uh, uh, YouTube playing on uh, uh, randomly. So so I it selected for me Rock Muddy North. And the, speaking of the Beatles, I, I grew up in 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 a house that there was always songs for the Beatles playing around. All in the car in the house, so I was I was, I grew up listening to the Beatles all the time. Never. And uh, and the the first my first so sort of it could be Michael Jackson. I can't remember the name of the album. So the the, the one that has Billie Jean on it. Bad. It, Bad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that's that's the one. I that's the one I. I went to the store and and I paid and got it from from my allowance and paid for it. I got the the, the, the tape. Yeah. Wonderful, yeah. So, or uh, it's somewhere and and at the same year, I I remember I also got Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. I, I I can't remember which was first, but I think it's it's Michael Jackson. That's the one I got first. Wow. They were same day at the same year, of course. But they, <laughs> this is what this is. first well great answers both of you i really want to thank you for joining me on studio soundtracks only on dub lab radio our outro music is going to be another piece from moon knight this is called the inevitable check out both loki and moon knight on disney plus today if you haven't seen it already they're both incredible and thank you natalie and thank you hasham for joining me on the show thank you for having us (laughs) thank you thank you it's been fun thank you